As Catherine mentioned in the announcements, in a couple of days, our UKirk students will be heading to the college conference of 2018 in Montreat. And I love the fact that this conference is always the first week of January every single year because it means that our students get to start the brand new year together. They get to spend four days in the mountains sharing in worship, critical conversations, and fellowship that lead to lifelong friendships. This is one of the best events of the year for our group to spend time together as family. Throughout this season of Advent and Christmas, I've been thinking a lot about the college conference we started 2017 with. One of the speakers in particular left a lasting impression on my students as well as with me. You may have heard me mention her before. Her name is Valerie Carr. She is a Sikh activist, interfaith leader, civil rights lawyer, filmmaker, and founder of the Revolutionary Love Project. In her keynote at Montreat, she shared the difficulties of being a Sikh American in a post-9-11 world. She shared the many stories of Sikh families that have been the victims of violent hate crimes because they happened to resemble the images of terrorists that were displayed on our television sets. Valerie compared the struggle of working for justice to the pains of labor when she gave birth to her son. She shared that both labors can be full of pain and tears and the fear that at any moment that might be the moment where she gave up. But through it all, the hope of new life kept her going. So she challenged all of us to live out our faith in a way that did not shy away from the struggle or the pain of doing justice and sharing God's love in what we might call a broken world. As Valerie concluded that winter's evening almost a year ago, she left us with this thought. You may feel in this moment that the future is dark, but what if this darkness isn't the darkness of the tomb but the darkness of the womb. What if our country is waiting to be born? These are the words that have stayed with me and many of our students all year. The darkness of the womb and the hope of new life beyond. This image Valerie left us with is our journey through Advent to Christmas morning. We were people in darkness, and even though there were times where the darkness felt like it would win, through the darkness, light has entered our world in the form of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. The hope of this new life with Christ has brought us through the longest night to a beautiful morning. All week we have been celebrating with Mary and Joseph, who have become new parents, we celebrate with the angels and the shepherds as we sing hymns of joy. And we celebrate with our own friends and families, perhaps, eating large holiday meals and sharing in holiday traditions. And we have arrived here, 
at the Sunday after Christmas with the memories of this week still with us. But with all of these celebrations, we may have also arrived here this week feeling like the euphoria of Christ's birth has turned to postpartum exhaustion. The baby has been born, the first round of visitors has left, although you know more are going to come, and we're starting to get adjusted to this new life that's arrived. Now would be the perfect time to put on our sweatpants, stay inside where it's warm, and take a long winter's nap. But Paul has a different plan for us today. The passage we are about to read from Paul's letter to the Galatians speaks to us of another kind of family membership. We have just come from the bedside of the newborn Christ, but natural birth is not the only way children are welcomed into a family. Paul is writing today about adoption and what it means for all of us to be children of God. To set the scene a little bit, Paul here is writing to a group of Gentile Christians who have started to accept the idea that God's grace now redeems and justifies both Jews and Gentiles. Paul had proclaimed that Jews and Gentiles were now made free from the law through Jesus, therefore allowing Gentile believers to claim equal status as children of God and descendants of Abraham. But some of them were starting to reconsider it. So like many of Paul's proclamations, there was some confusion because there were still Christian Jewish groups who wanted the Gentile Christians to be circumcised and observe the laws. They still believed that their faith might be incomplete or their membership into the family might be unequal unless they continued to do these things. So you can see how there would be a little bit of confusion. Paul is writing this letter today to try and clear up these questions and doubts once for all. So let's listen to our scripture reading from Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the story of family continues this week. Last week, Jesus was born as God's only son. And this week, we're receiving adoption as children in the same family. This passage about adoption tells us two things right away. First of all, that all human beings are equal members of God's family because we all enter into the same way, adoption. And second, that Jesus Christ is uniquely set apart 
because he was God's only natural-born son. Jesus is the piece of the puzzle that connects us all because he is of God, but also revealed to us in the form of a human child born of a woman. This passage is an explanation of God's actions through his son to set free all who are captive and to welcome orphans into the family. And this family of God's is also diverse. Paul is very divisive in his use of both Aramaic and Greek in verse 6 for the word father. He uses the language of both the Jews and the Gentiles to demonstrate their inclusion, but also their unity now as children in the same family. There are no longer any distinctions. All previous stereotypes and classifications are gone. Paul reiterates this again later in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, when he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are members with the saints and also members of the household of God. Another writer says that this passage in Galatians 4 is a sweeping proclamation that levels all distinctions that we love to put between ourselves and one another. Following a week of holiday celebration, this is good news indeed. While movies and music might depict a Christmas season where everyone makes it home and all loved ones are gathered together in joy, for many the holidays can be the time of the year where they feel the most excluded. Many who feel unwelcome in their own families, many who cannot get off work to be with family, many who may have just lost someone they loved, and for all who have felt left out, unwanted, or are grieving this past week, this promise of inclusion cannot come soon enough. As human beings, we can be quite good at boxing ourselves in. We like things to be neat and labeled and for our society to have rules so we don't have to always think critically about what to do. We just follow the preset rules that we've made for ourselves. Our labels create shortcuts for our hearts and our minds. So instead of really embracing one another as a sister or a brother, we give ourselves permission to walk by silently. When we put labels on one another, we are acknowledging more of our differences and ignoring what unifies us. Valerie Carr believes that labels and stereotypes are what have caused so much violence and heartbreak across our nation recently. She says this, We are all trapped by stereotypes. Black as criminal, Latino as illegal, Muslim and Sikh as terrorist, indigenous as savage, trans as deviant, and women as property. Once a person is reduced to a stereotype, it becomes easier to sexually assault them, imprison them, and kill them. But stories, 
can destroy stereotypes. Our stories can set us free. Stories enable us to see others as worthy of love and therefore worth fighting for. And everyone has a story. Which story have you yet to tell? Which story have you yet to hear? Friends, as Christians, the story that sets us free is the story of Emmanuel. The story that we have been celebrating all week. The story that continues today with our adoption and tomorrow as we wake up in a new year. The story that we cannot pretend we haven't heard. The story that we can't keep to ourselves. This story that has been told thousands of times over thousands of years. And the story that we are called to continue to tell with our very lives. All of us here in this room and many beyond these doors, all human beings are adopted as children of God. We all belong. We are all brothers and sisters because God revealed God's self to us in a tiny child named Jesus, who came to set us free of all the labels and divisions we put on ourselves. And another beautiful detail to this story is that Paul says all of this is happening when the fullness of time had come. This might sound like a strange phrase to us, one we don't hear very often, but it's fitting that we hear it today, on the last day of this year. This is a time where we often look back on the past while at the same time looking forward at the future. And the fullness of time means the end of one age and the beginning of another. So it means God's time. God decides when children become adults. God decides when heirs inherit. And God is the only one who decides who belongs. The fullness of time means that God's grace, God's love, and God's revelation to us are all initiated by God. So on the first Sunday after Christmas, as we might look in equal ways at the year behind us and the year ahead of us, we are reminded that we're surrounded by a parent's love that will not let us go. In the incarnation, in the adoption of us as children, in the Spirit coming into our hearts, God is acting before we even know how to utter God's name. Because that is how much God loves us. God loves us so much that like a parent longing for and waiting to hear their child utter their first word, God waits for us to call out, Abba, Father. Anyone whose lives have been touched by adoption knows it's not always easy. Parents and children who were once strangers suddenly become the most intimate of family with the stroke of a pen. And both children and parents look for signs from one another that convey love 
and welcome as they begin to figure out their lives with one another. God sending Jesus Christ and then sending his spirit to dwell in our hearts, these are signs from God that we belong and we are loved. God acted through Christ and God is still acting through the spirit to move us and transform us into the people we are called to be. Adopted children, heirs to the kingdom, brother and sister to one another. So on this last day of 2017, we might ask ourselves, what do we do with this good news? How do we respond to the information that we are all members of the same family, adopted by God our Creator? Having just traveled through the season of Advent, perhaps we can start here together with hope, and peace, and love, and joy. Perhaps instead of New Year's resolutions to save money or lose weight, we can resolve to make God's priorities our priorities. Perhaps as adopted children, we can look for ways to strengthen our relationship with God and the many, many brothers and sisters we have. And maybe if we do, those moments when we feel like we are trapped in darkness, we'll remember that it's the darkness of a womb and new life can be birthed. I want to leave you with words from our Advent devotional. Throughout Advent, many of you have been reading our devotion that was created by the Sanctified Art team. And every Sunday throughout Advent, there were conversations with God. I want to leave you with the conversation entitled, Joy. God, I asked, what brings you joy? Oh, my child, God said. The list is so long. Hearing you say my name... And seeing you soak in this beautiful creation brings me joy. When you stand with family, neighbors, and strangers, or sing or work together, my heart risks overflowing with joy. When you remember the children, the quiet, the hurting, I swear my heart could take flight. And when your heart takes flight, I asked, leaning forward with curiosity, then what happens? And God leaned back and laughed the most musical, heart-filled, soul-reaching laugh I had ever heard. And that's when I remembered, joy is contagious, and it's a gift. And then I started singing. Friends, may the things that bring God joy and cause God to laugh and delight, may those things be our priorities as God's children this day and every day. Please join me in prayer. 
Holy God, as we go forward knowing we have been received, help us to receive others who might feel like strangers. Knowing that we are brothers and sisters, help us to treat one another with loving kindness. And knowing that we are all heirs, help us practice sharing what we have so that all of your children might feel belonging in your family. Amen.